Looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, September 13. Thanks for your company and thanks for being with Nathan Exelby and myself over the next hour and plenty to cover. Well, Nathan, uh, we said yesterday it was a significant day for Queensland with the returns of Rothfire and Alligator Blood. We didn't get a 10 out of 10 result. Mm. We nearly did. Uh, we came mightily close. Rothfire not only winning, but winning brilliantly in the the run of the rose. And Alligator Blood losing no admirers with a, a great third. And we'll talk about his performance later in the program. But uh, Rothfire, I think, stole the show yesterday. He certainly did. And didn't it light Doombin up, David, mm. the, the, the roars coming from... Uh, the public areas there at Doominia. So that was just terrific. And um, he's a horse that the public's really taken to to their heart, to Rothfire, and to see him measure up against the best yesterday was just terrific. Yeah, as I said, um, you know, if he'd run second or third, uh, we probably would have been happy with that. But not only did he win, but he, he, he won brilliantly. And we're going to talk more about that with the man who was on him, Jim Byrne. But firstly, let's go to the replay of the run of the rose, 1,200 metres the distance, and Farnham went off the favourite at $2.40. He is going along at Lickety Split Sectionals here, Farnham, out by five lengths on the Queenslander, Rothfire. Then came Peltzer being nudged along. Two after North Pacific, two further back to American as they straighten up, and Farnham, a four-length leader. Bowman still sits pretty quiet. Rothfire's giving chase, serious chase. Farnham coming back to Rothfire. Clear from Pelter, the Queenslander. Rothfire laid it down to Farnan and shot clear. Then Ole Kirk and North Pacific. He's a gun for hire. Rothfire puts pay to them in the run of the rows. Ole Kirk, best of the rest, second. North Pacific, third. Pelter home into fourth. Well, Farnan at very quick sections. Couldn't see it out from American and King's Legacy. It was a display of uh, speed from start to finish. They went out in 34.21, but they came home in 34.31, so there was no let-up from go to woe. The time, 18.52, and I think to underline the merit of Rothfire's win, he was the one having to chase after fun, had to take the field up to him, and then had to fight off the challenges. He, he delivered in spades. He didn't. He was only a split outside that long, long-standing 1,200-metre course record there at Rose Hill, so... That's the the really interesting thing, isn't it, David, that often you don't want to be on the horse that's doing the mm. donkey work, work, taking it up to the runaway leader. I suppose the other feature of the race, uh, Rothfire's win was a great result for Queensland. We'll, we'll drill down on it soon. But it was the the tactics of Hugh Bowman on, on Farnan. To, to lead was no surprise, but to go out by such a, a large space, he was probably five lengths in front of the middle part, and... He weakened out of it. Stewards did, did, did mm. query Bowman. He said he was given no specific instructions. You know, he was either going to sit outside Rothfire or lead. When Byrne gave the intention that he was going to uh, hand up on Rothfire, Bowman then said Farland raced too keenly and uh, that brought about his defeat. That seems a logical explanation. Yeah, he said once he, you know, you don't switch it on and switch it off. And once he made the decision to go, he had to had to go with it. But um, Jim Byrne also had to make a decision at that point too, David. Jim Byrne had to make a few decisions. They were all right ones, and I'm sure he was a very, very happy man after the race. He's a very happy man this morning, and we're delighted. We're happy that he can join us on Past the Post. Morning, Jim. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was uh, uh, a good start. Um, obviously, that's far from far from over, but uh, it was definitely a good way to start. 
Jimmy, uh, jockeys aren't allowed to tip, but I can ask you now that the race is over. Did you think going into the race yesterday, and you'd done all the form, and you, you knew the horse, you know the horse backwards, did you think Rothfire could win yesterday? Oh, look, Dave, it's, it, it's always really difficult. You know, obviously, you got, you're going in with a, uh, a, a golden slipper winner and uh, King's Legacy and, and, and the likes of North, North Pacific. I mean, these are some of the best three-year-olds that we have in the country at this present point in time. Um, you're confident, but you're confident. In, I was more confident in the horse's ability, um, and obviously we haven't raced up against this sort of company before. And uh, whilst you're uh, in in your own mind, you're confident the horse can compete with them. Until you do, until they do, you you know. I mean, like it's you, it's unknown basically. Yeah. Rob Heathcote had said several times. Jim and Mel Sharp reiterated that their confidence they had confidence in the horse because of so much of what you were saying to them. They've said that you're the one who's sort of been the, the cheerleader, so for want of a better word, in, in saying that, no, don't worry, this horse will measure up. Yeah. it's. Uh, I, I remember when I first broke my leg, I I said to Ramey, I said, oh, I'm going to lose this horse. Um, and uh, Ramey, that being my wife, um, you know, and, 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 and that was probably the hardest thing because you don't, Horses like him don't come around too often, and um, I remember kept saying to my surgeon, I, "I've got to get back quick. I've got to get back quick." And he just kept saying, oh, "Well, look, you, you know, we're just going to have to be guided by the, how you heal and 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 the likes." And um, so from day one, he's always giving giving you that feel and that confidence that he's a not just your average horse or Saturday grade horse that there could be something better in the uh, in 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 the future for him. So. Um, you know, I worked pretty hard to uh, put put my body through a fair bit of pain to try and get back and 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 be in the position to be able to ride him. Unfortunately, um, you know, uh, I wasn't able to ride him uh, a couple of times there. But you know, I'm just quite fortunate and you know appreciative of Rob and all the connections to you know stick with me and give me the give me the chance to get back on him. Jim, jockeys have to make uh, split second decisions. There are a lot of grandstand jockeys out there, but you're I suppose split second decision yesterday was you jumped out beautifully straight to the rail, straight to the lead, and then you handed up soon after the start. Was that always your intention, or was it just as the race panned out? Yeah, I I knew that uh, that uh, Farnan would come out pretty strong, and I thought if I'd set up a decent tempo, that uh, Huey'd back off. Um, uh, we've been doing a lot of work with this bloke and and, and getting him to settle off him. Uh, in his work, uh, and you know, obviously, you can't go out there and highball it and and, and win these better races. Uh, sure enough, you can, but uh, you know, it just makes it a lot more difficult. And you got the likes of uh, North Pacific and King's Legacy. You know, you know they're going to be really strong over that last hundred hundred odd meters uh, if you do go out and try and run those quick sections. And um, so, I, I thought if I'd set up a decent tempo, that I might be able to just dictate the race but obviously you know as soon as Huey you know showed that uh, he he wanted to lead uh, I was pretty confident the horse was just going to back off and 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 basically just go out there and run your own race um you know I, I was a little bit concerned that I had to take the field up um you know and 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 you know look that last 50 he 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 did feel it you know he hit the wall that probably 50 out and um you know he's going to be a lot better for it next time yeah, that's what was going to be my next question, actually. Was there a point where he, 
he emptied out and you, you've, you've answered that. You're in a very good position, not just yourself, but the whole Rothfire team because you're going to a race in two weeks' time where, you know, there might be, there might be a few more in the race, but you had them covered yesterday. Now, people will say, oh, well, they'll be better suited over 1,400 and, and they'll be fitter, but the same can apply to Rothfire, can't it? He's going to be fitter and there's no drama with him at 1,400 metres. No, well, he's already shown what he can do over the 1,400 metres in the JJ. So um, I know that he's stronger. I've said all the way along that I thought that his pet distance is going to be the 1,400 metres. Um, he's a lot better horse this time in, um, this time round for the 1,400 metres. He's a lot more calmer. Um, you, you've seen him in the in the JJ. He actually grabbed the bridle a little bit um, when ice tape come around him. Uh, he... he He's a lot more relaxed in regards to that now. So uh, the 1,400 metres is definitely going to be uh, perfect for him. And, uh, you know, fitness won't be an issue, that's for sure. Jim, with a high-pressure race like that and him only being first up, sometimes there's some concerns that you know, it might, might you know, knock the stuffing out of the horse. Is there any concerns at your end that, you know, that might leave him a little vulnerable next time out? Not really. Uh, Nathan, he's, um, uh, you know, we didn't, whilst, you know... He, you got to remember, going into yesterday, uh, he'd, he'd missed his trial uh, and we only given him an, a, a track gallop. So whilst, uh, you know, we did um, ask him to do his best yesterday, that race, um, you know, all in all, uh, I think he, come, he he would have come through it pretty good. When I, when I pulled up, uh, he was having a good blow, but um, he definitely didn't, uh, he didn't give me the feel like it was, uh, I emptied him completely. Um, that being said, I do know that he had enough on the line, but uh, he was still quite bright coming back and, you know, he was just taking it all in. So um, I'm very confident and they're going to be able to, uh, you know, get him ready for the 1,400 metres. Uh, I don't think, I'm not 100% confident, uh, I should say, sure exactly what the work's going to be through this week. I, I wouldn't have thought it's going to be overly taxing on the horse and, um, you know, sure enough, in uh, two weeks' time, I'm more than confident that we're going to have the right horse there on the day. Uh, Jim, on a personal note, you're three days into what's going to be a seven or eight week uh, stint away from home. Uh, how are you coping with it all down there? Yeah, I'm fortunate that I got my son here, so it, uh, he makes it a lot easier. Uh, keeps me down to earth and <laughs> tries to uh, annoy me enough to uh, know that I'm still love sort of scenario so <laughs> obviously uh, my family being um, you know the, the wife and the other kids um, uh, adults I should say uh, up in Queensland so that's a little bit difficult but you know look uh, uh, it's only a very very short time um, you know it's uh, as long as there, there is some family here so it just makes it a little bit easier I think. And Jim just before we let you go uh, quick word on Ty Zone you rate him in the Theo Marks he ran eighth a $19 chance your thoughts on his run? Oh, look, just as I've begun, originally I was going to try and be in that third line, um, but unfortunately uh, when he jumped, the two horses underneath me were able to kick up and uh, it just meant that I, I thought I was going to be caught a little bit deep, so I ended up conceding and he got on the bridle a little bit, passing the 700. Uh, he finished the race off really well, though. Um, I did like the way he was finishing the race off. He was only beaten by three or so lengths, so uh, I thought it was a really good run by him. Good on you, mate. Congratulations once again on yesterday and uh, we'll keep in touch over the next few weeks. Thanks, boys. Jim Byrne joining us this morning, partnering Rothfighter Victory. As I alluded to before, 
this is a massive shift. We've gone from before yesterday's race, how is Rothfire going to go? Will he mm. take that next step to two-year-old or three-year-old? He's delivered in spades. Now, all of a sudden, this Rothfire team are in a great position. Two <laughs> weeks to a race where they beat several of their Golden Rose rivals and then beautifully three weeks to the Everest where, of course, now there is no drama <laughs> about being cast out That's right. for a below-par performance. So it's all gone their way in a big way. So he goes from, I think he was sort of 7 or $8 in the Golden Rose before yesterday to $2.60 favourite for that race now. I think he's third favourite for the Everest mm. behind Nature Strip and Guitra. And I'm interested in your thoughts, David. That was an interesting Everest trial for mine yesterday because the Everest may be a similar scenario if Nature mm. Strip's going to be highballing like that. And he just showed that he can take that sit, relax, and then and then pounce on the, the leader. Yeah. And also, just from an Everest point of view, we'll talk more about this tomorrow in press room, but... Great to see, as we saw last week, a South Australian yeah. uh, flying high in, in, in GTRA and now Queensland putting its hand up with Rothfire. As you said, he's tightened right up in both the Golden Rose and the Everest. The other one to mention before we leave the Golden Rose, this was impressive yesterday, Moanga. I think it's mm. going to run in the Golden Rose and it shortened from uh, 26 into 11. Same preparation as what Chris Waller gave the Autumn Sun, first up 1,500 metres back to the Golden Rose, which he won, and so... You probably possibly are looking for new blood if you're looking for a challenger to, to Rothfire because I, I think you'd say he has those ones from yesterday covered. Producer Dale says Moanga is an is he in the All Blacks? Is he producer? Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know that surprisingly. Look, let's go to let's. We talked about the um, the Theo Marks with Ty Zone while Planet won the race. Let's go to the replay. It was a fairly open betting affair. Funstar though went off favourite at three ninety. Fender held together from Briadini and Funstar without cover today in third. Special Ward locked up on the fence while Planet locked up. Then crack on, crack on at the 300. It's Fender in front from Funstar. Then came Briadini while Planet works into the clear. Special Ward needs to lift. Then came Renner and Sonore Fox running on. Funstar got to the front from Wild Planet giving chase. Wild Planet goes to Funstar. Clear from Renner late, but Wild Planet went home best. Wild Planet beat Funstar. I think Renner third and a photo from Special Award. Then came Duca Valentinwa. Fender ran out of gas. Then Nickanova from Riadini. Further back to tie zone. Sonore Fox peaked on the run and so did Crack On, Crack On. While Planner beating Funstar and Rania. Our next guest, uh, last time I spoke to him, was actually on an edition of Pass the Post when I made one of my cameo appearances. He said he'd ring me back. He's has not done that, but I'm not going to hold that against him and we invite him back on the show. Wayne Hawks, <laughs> good morning. How are you? Good morning, David. You know what? You're 100% right. But anyway, you are nice a... to hear from you. At least, at least you've got someone decent on there with you, Nathan, that's for sure. <laughs> You're a fickle piece of work, you are. Now, you had, you, the stable had a, the stable had a I don't good... know about fickle, but I, I normally get most adjectives, but not fickle, David. No, we'll, we'll, we'll just settle on piece of work. <laughs> we do start with an F, though. What about, uh, it was a good day. <laughs> it was a good job. day. It was a good day in the office yesterday, wasn't it, for the team? Yeah, it was. Um, you know what? We we went in pretty big, to be honest. We had some uh, some big guns to go into the races uh, yesterday, and we've been there before, and we've we've won, we've done it, and we've won it, and we've been there before. And we've had our butt kicked, so uh, there's a great saying in racing: winners are grinners, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. So I was just watching the uh, Sky Sports. I was just watching the girl that works with Robert Heathcote, and she was bawling after the races and everything. And you know what? That's what it's all about. Mm. You know, if you can't show your emotion and uh, amazing industry what we're in we have grown men that run empires and they get to the races and they uh and they carry on like little kids but that's the thrill of it and that's what people that don't own a racehorse 
I've never ever had that uh, had that thrill, and you can't put that thrill in the dollars, as can you? And or sometimes words. Wayne, we've got quite a few horses to run through with you this morning, if that's okay. And and some of the beaten division, you probably walked away yesterday even more excited about than possibly the winners. But but Wild Planet, he, he's been a good, consistent horse, hasn't he? Yeah, he did a good job. He did everything. Uh, he did everything right, and uh, he got held up. He got held up first up and at a barrier trial, and it was only deja vu again yesterday. But when Tommy finally got clear, he really wanted to savage the line. And I was only looking the other day at all of our horses, and um, I think we've only got like fourteen five-year-olds plus. So we're always light on because our model really is, you know, young horses, two-year-olds, three-year-old colts, and you don't get many older gildings to train. I mean. You know, Chris Waller probably have a barn of, of uh, you know, 17, 14, 15, five-year-olds just lined up in a row together because that's more his model. And it's not saying it's right or it's wrong, but it's just good to be able to compete in some of these races with some of the uh, the older horses. And he's a bit of a stable favourite because he's such a rock star. So he's uh, he's on song and he's going very, very well. Well, where, where is he on song to? What's the plan for him? Well, we, we, we're we not really sure, you know. I mean, obviously the Epsom's there, but... We just wanted to take this race and just see how we uh, see how we ran, but now he's done that uh, done that job. The other thing is, you know, he goes well in Melbourne. He bolted in his last run in Melbourne. He bolted in at Flemington that day. He was short price favourite. So we just got to work out whether we're heading south or whether we're staying put. So it's um, now the borders have opened up a little bit. We can uh, with horses, we can. Um, we can move them back and forth pretty much how pretty much how we want with only a couple of little little uh, minuses. So we're just going to sit down today and tomorrow and uh, start uh, sorting out where we go with him. Wayne, your three-year-olds really stood up yesterday. Doubtland showed his true colours down the straight at Flemington, and then Ole Kirk and North Pacific were terrific behind Rothfire and the Run of the Rose. Uh, Doubtland, yeah, we weren't sure about the first up run with Anders. He, uh, he was always back and chase, chase, chase. And we just walked away scratching our heads. And he, uh, he worked brilliant last Friday morning in Sydney. And he worked unbelievable on Tuesday morning at Flemington. It's the best track work I've seen from horse for a long time in Melbourne. And uh, so we knew that the ability was there and he was on the song track work. But track work to race day can be a big difference. So his turn of foot was amazing, you know, and Willie Pike, um, like he's the old school, isn't he? He just sort of sat, sat, sat and poked the outside and whoosh away he went. And like they were all had their momentum going and uh, and then we were fairly flat-footed. But his last 300, his, uh, his turn of foot is quite amazing. So he's on towards the Coolmore. What we do with him between now and the Coolmore, we've got seven weeks. So we've got plenty of options. You can keep him to a three-year-old race. You could run him in a group one, but uh, we'll... Uh, let the dust settle and uh, you know, and work out where we're going to go before the Coolmore. And you know what? We might even run him again before the Coolmore. So good position to be in. And he's a cult that's got two Golden Slipper winners in his pedigree. So he's uh, he's going to be pretty highly sought after, that's for sure and certain. So just, just finishing with Doubtland, is there any chance he, he would go to the Golden Rose? Doubtland. Uh, at, this, at this stage, he would be doubtful, but you can never rule that out because we sit in Melbourne for the Coolmore. But you know what, with the way that things are now, and as I said, the, the, you know, the borders have lifted. David, we were purposely holding horses back, sending them, sending them to Melbourne. And my numbers were way down because we didn't want to get overcommitted because horses come down, they can't go back. So now that it's all starting to flow and they're, and they're running and they're winning, now we're just going to sit down and work it out. 
Master of Wine in the Maccabi Deaver at Flemington, fourth. Good second up in a race that was devoid of any pace in a sprint home. I think they went a tick over 33 in their last 600. Your thoughts on his run? Yeah, he ran really, really good. And um, Michael Rod came back. He looked like a Thunderbird. Remember the Thunderbirds? He had the fattest smile on his face. <laughs> I reckon I've just seen Michael Rod ever had. He just he came back, he got up, he looked at me, and he, you know what he said? Wow. And then he said it again. He said, oh, no, you know... He's going great, this horse, and um, and we 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 uh, we know he's nearly a star in the making, and we never get ahead of ourselves. But he's on song, and he's heading towards races like the Caulfield Cup. So he really powered through the line that last you know couple hundred meters, and to get him uh, you know to get him out to a you know two thousand, and you know and then further, he's got a long way to go, and you know whatever his grand final is going to be, whether it's a Caulfield, a Cox, or a Melbourne Cup, might be all of them yet. But uh, you know what? He's certainly on song, and uh, he's taken a while to come. Even though he's always been thereabouts, he's uh, he's certainly uh, certainly on song. And for his first Victorian start, he uh, he performed uh, super. Tell me again how, what he how he said it, Michael Rob, when he came back. I like the way you said that. <laughs> wow. He, I'm serious. He had the fattest smile. Yeah, I love you. Remember, Stephen Bastard used to get beat coming. Oh, I slaughtered that for you. Sorry. And he'd have the fattest <laughs> smile as well. Michael Rod was. Uh, he, he was. He was just beaming. He was. He just said, wherever this horse goes, he's going to be some horse. He goes and if you drop him back to handicaps, he said, holy Toledo. Mm. So, well, fifty-three and a half. That's pretty uh, sweet now, doesn't it? <clears throat> well, it sort of does. It doesn't because it does from the point of view of of a rider choice. But he's won a 2,000-metre group three or two at, at Rose Hill, and that's his best win ever. So, I mean, they've certainly got him weighted up there, but in, in some respects, I'd probably rather him have the weight because then you're going to get a, a uh, more of your choice of, uh, of jockeys. You know, it's hard now with the weights being up so high during the year. When you, when you drop back in Doncasters and Epsoms and these sorts of races, Stradbrokes, you know, I'm thinking Jason Taylor, the year he won with that horse, there's about 49 kilos on his back. Since They're very difficult to find out. Uh, who was it? Sincere. It was, um, oh, I can't think what it was. Sincere. Yeah, exactly. Spot on. Yep, it was. And so, you know what? It's very hard to find your choice of jockey because there's not many natural lightweights anymore. So it's funny, isn't it? When you're on the <clears throat> when you're on the way up, you, you want weight to get in the race. And when you get there, you don't really want any more weight. So they've certainly weighted him up to, uh, t- to his best. But uh, you know what? Hopefully he will really produce his best. And as Michael clearly pointed out to me in the mountain enclosure, he said, mate, I watched every replay of this horse's career, I reckon three times. And he said, he's never had much luck where he just had the gun run. He just popped out and gone whop. He's always had to do a bit of extra and everything like that. So, and he's, he's totally right. So he's um, very promising. Well, you've been a wealth of knowledge this morning, as you always are, and uh, continued good success. It was a good day, as we said, for, for Team Hawks yesterday. I was going to say we'll talk soon, but I don't expect that from <laughs> you. So we'll talk when we talk. In, enjoy your day. Whatever. <laughs> See you, mate. Whatever, David. Great to talk to you, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goodbye. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Wayne Hawks joining us this morning. But it was a good day, wasn't it? The one horse we didn't mention, I'm not going to bring it back, uh, Mask Crusader. Oh, that was a tough watch. Probably good you didn't ask. Is he a jockey bagger, Wayne? Does <laughs> I didn't give him the opportunity, but it, it was a, a painful watch, as I often say in a race broadcast, wide all the way, but stuck to the, the task yeah, well. He still gave the, the punters who backed him a tease, sort of thinking he, could, he might be able to overcome that. But certainly the, the Ducks are lining up for that stable after yesterday. And, you know, Ole Kirk in particular looks like yeah. he's he's taken a big step forward this preparation with the way 
you know, you hit the line there yesterday in the run of the Rose. Let's round out Rose Hill with uh, another feature. It was the Group 2 Scirocco for the Phillies and Mares, and Fasica was resuming $2.45. Coming to the home turn and Sweet Deal and Hawtbury on her have worked to get to the front. From Invictus Salute then came out along Mezzi for Seeker getting to the outside. Then Positive Peace Seasons going between runners as they come to the 300 and Hawtbury on her takes the lead by about a half length on Sweet Deal. Then Invictus Salute and now for Seeker's getting into her work. Seasons got tight for room. Hawtbury on her in front from Sweet Deal. Then for Seeker Seasons. Hawtbury on her clear inside the final hundred. Seasons finally gets out of a pocket but Hawtbury on her Hawtbury on her beat Jen Rules he charged home and a luckless season third then subpoenaed rocketing home on the rails uh, then came a sweet deal from Adelong Positive Peace and Victor Salute flat late followed by Zania Fasig who shot the bar then Riverbird from Outback Barbie and Mizzy well, it was 11 months since she'd raced. Uh, she was imposing last year. She had eight starts for five wins, but that was a, a good return. I know Tony Brassel uh, tipped her on select racing yesterday morning. There has been some chatter about her being a potential Everest runner. Yeah, I think she's sort of firmed up to, to $21, but uh, I, I wouldn't take that's two, rock bottom, isn't it? I wouldn't it? take $201. No, 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 but I guess at, the, at some point the, the 12 slots have got to be filled, but mm. I would have thought there's a few in the picking order ahead of her, David. Yes, certainly. Well, that was Rose Hill yesterday. Thanks for your company on Past the Post this morning. We've still got plenty to cover. We'll take a break and then come back and concentrate on the Maccabi Diva Stakes Day at Flemington. If it's equine or canine, then your one-stop shop is Garrard's Horse and Hound. Check out this month's specials available in-store, Australia-wide and online. Grab an unbeatable price on Equine One Healthy Horse Probiotic. 80 gram, now 37.70. 300 gram, 67.20. And 1 kilogram, now $180. Save on Energetic Isotonic Drench. 250 grams, $13.30. Don't miss the run-out prices on Advantix 3 flea and tick collars, medium dog 35.22 and large dog 37.59. Re-energize 250 mil now 18.98. Garrard's coconut oil 20 liters now only 161 dollars 46. Save on Kofos B 100 mil injectable now 37.89. And don't miss Rio sponge earplugs just five dollars each. But be quick, no rain checks. This month's specials available in store online at garrardshorseandhound.com.au or free call. 1-800-060-896 Garrard's Horse and Hound We're back The ever popular Pacers and Chasers Bar and Bistro at the Brisbane Greyhounds is back open to the public for the punters to enjoy The Brisbane Greyhounds are racing every Monday and Thursday night Wednesday afternoon and Sunday twilight So please join us trackside and rekindle your love for live racing and entertainment Due to COVID-19, there are trading restrictions and protocols in place to ensure all patrons are looked after during your visit at the club. For full information, including bookings, visit brisgrays.com today. Past the Post on Radio Tab. As we said, it was Maccabi Divas Stakes Day at Flemington yesterday. That's spearhead of the nine-race card. Let's go to the replay. And Fierce Impact was a well-backed $4 favourite.
Into the straight, 450 to go. Harlem just in front of Quick Thinker and Dallasan. Russian Camelot, four wide, given plenty of air. Then Fierce Impact, Lavendi. Down the outside, Master of Wine and Sosi Bon. Russian Camelot at the 250 in front. Fierce Impact coming out after it at the clock tower. It's Russian Camelot grabbed by Fierce Impact. Dallasan going with Fierce Impact. Fierce Impact just in front. Russian Camelot still coming, but Fierce Impact's holding on. Fierce Impact won it. Russian Camelot second. Photo third, we've got Sosi Bondella, Sand Master of Wine. Behind those, Harlem Perfect Jewel, then Lavendi Kings Will Dream. Then came Warning. Next to clock in was Galo Shop Quick Thinker. Well back, Vow and Declare Princess Jenny. And unfortunately, Gatting has gone amiss after 400 metres and was pulled up out of the race. And Fierce Impact's trainer, Matthew Smith, has been kind enough to join us this morning. Not there at the moment. Uh, we'll, we'll speak with him shortly. Uh, he was well back, this horse, Fierce Impact. Uh, all the talk uh, was a, was about him. Well, when I say all the talk was about him, it was probably about Russian Camelot, but everyone kept tipping Fierce Impact, and it panned out that way. As I said, he was a well-back $4 favourite and was given a good ride. And he's the specialist miler in the field, wasn't he? Sort of two-time Group 1 winner over the mile, including one at Flemington, which seems to be a good formula for that race. And he was given a good ride closer to the fence, wasn't he, David? We mentioned before when we were speaking with Wayne Hawkes, uh, it was run at a, a pedestrian speed. They, they sorted their positions pretty quickly and then often pace will, will back off. And this was precisely the case here. They only ran 136.33. There had been a little bit of rain as well, I think, prior to that race, but the sprint home, 33.29. So it was always going to be difficult for anything back in the field. Uh, we'll talk more about fierce impact shortly, but no one could lose sight of Russian Camelot's run. No, certainly odds makers haven't missed him either. He's now... $5 favourite for the Cox Plate and equal $9 favourite for the Melbourne Cup. But um, I think I can go again now, David. We can welcome Matthew Smith to, to the program this morning. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Uh, no worries at all, Nathan. David, happy to be here. Yeah, I bet you are. Congratulations. He just continues to be a, a really well good top-class horse for the stable and connections. He sure is. No, he's a quality horse and uh, he was very good yesterday. And he just keeps stepping up to the plate every time we we ask him for a big one. He's he's been there, so um, yeah, no, we're very happy with the horse. It was, it was a great win yesterday, and, and uh, very exciting going forward. He was given a good ride by Mark Zara, Matt, and uh, as, as I said before to Nathan, going into the race, a lot of people were coming up with him as the the on top selection. That was reflected in the betting. He ran the four dollar favourite. But he's one of these horses, he never lets you down. If he doesn't win, he's really far away. So not only is he a, a top-line Group 1 horse, but he's a very competitive and consistent horse as well. Absolutely. His last sort of, you know, three preps have been fantastic. You know, he's raced at the top level every start, and he's never far away. And, um, yeah, you know, he was, uh, he was really well ridden yesterday. Got the right run. And um, he's a horse that uh, tends to just sort of... Uh, do enough to win the to win every time. So, um, you know, he got to the front and he started to ease himself down a bit towards the finish. But look, um, you know, we just can't be happy with him. He's, he's a great horse for the stable and for the connections, and and hopefully, you know, we can head on towards the Cox Plate now. He's a thirteen dollar chance in that race, Matt. What program do you use to get him to uh, Mooney Valley on October twenty four? Well, either the um, I'll either go to the Turnbull or to the uh, Caulfield Stakes. Um, so probably Turnbull fits in a little bit better for him uh, with the three weeks between runs. And so, you know, really that'll sort of tell us where exactly where we're up to in terms of 
the 2,000 metres. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's an outstanding miler. Um, we feel like the 2,000 is not a problem. He's, he's won at group level over 2,000 here in Australia. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do next start. We're really looking forward to it. Matt, he's a seven-year-old stallion. He's a, he's a son of Deep Impact, the Japanese legend. Have you had any sort of stud feelers for him? Yeah, we have. Look, we had quite a few people interested um, last prep, and um, look, the owners were keen to race him on, and the decision was made, you know, by the group that we press on, and give him a Cox Plate preparation. Uh, we all felt deserved uh, crack at a good two thousand metre race, and so. Well, you know, for 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 myself in the stable, it's outstanding to have a horse of this quality uh, still going at this age. He's a really sound horse and he's very well bred. But uh, we're just very lucky. The ownership group uh, love their racing and, and decided to race him on. And does he doesn't provide any troubles because it's not, I guess, the, the norm to see a, an entire still at seven with those Group One wins under the belt racing. No, it's not not in this part of the world anyway. Um, <laughs> in Japan, it's very common but uh, not here like uh, so um, you know I, I think uh, people are I suppose you know pressured to get them away to stud as quick as they can but um, I mean, yeah we've just been lucky that he was a late maturing horse he probably didn't really hit his straps to his four and, and he just got better and better so uh, look uh, yeah obviously he'll find a, a place at stud when he retires but hopefully we can win a few more races with him in the meantime. Matt, I'm always looking for a tip. You don't mind sending a horse up our way to to Queensland, and you, and you normally get good results. Anything uh, we might see up here uh, in the next few weeks? No, I haven't got anything for the next couple of weeks, unfortunately. Yeah, but we um, we do love getting them up there, but yeah, just a bit of a quiet time for the horses, for the Queensland horses at the moment. So just try and concentrate on winning a couple of races around here. But um, yeah, look. Uh, I thought a turn he was good on the weekend. I think when he gets up to 2,400 metres, he'll be a horse worth following. Um, so we've got a few nice horses uh, coming through the ranks, so hopefully we can, we can get involved in Melbourne and the Sydney Carnival. With a bit of luck. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on yesterday and continued success with this horse that putters love because he always runs a good race. Thanks for your time. Any time at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Matt Smith joining us. And yeah, Fierce Impact, he always puts in, doesn't he, Nathan? Yeah, he does. And... Um... You know, three-time Group 1 winner, that puts him in, in pretty elite company, doesn't it? We talked about Russian Camelot. Uh, outstanding runner. I, I think a little bit like Surprise Baby, a freakish horse to my way of thinking, you know, what he's doing. Sosi Bon into third spot at uh, Long Odds. Dallas Sand, and we'll, we've discussed Master of One, and Dallas Sand. Uh, I reckon Dallas Sand was a good run, given that he proved sort of up to 2,000 metres last, last preparation. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a nice race for him through the spring. Well, that was the Maccabi Diva. Let's go to the race we were discussing earlier with Wayne Hawks, the Danehill won by Doubtland. Onto the course proper at the 400 metres. It's extra time and also hard landing. Amish boy over on the far side. Prague is letting loose. Tidious and Ranting is running on out wide. Amish boy at the clock tower with Prague and then Ranting the outside. Amish boy, Prague, Ranting and Doubtland's coming through as well. Four across the track again. Doubtland drives through in the middle, takes the lead and it's Doubtland winning from Amish boy. Ranting and Prague in a photo then personal. Next extra time on the lead. Anavisto back in the field, hard landing, got tired, tidy as well back, and last wisdom of water knocked up. Yes, uh, Dadland winning there, fully Pike uh, driving through and, and claiming victory, and good to see him bouncing back after what was, I thought, just a run in Sydney, but as Wayne Hawke said, uh, unlikely the Golden Rose, but don't rule it out. Yeah, 
you made a point that so many of those horses were chasing Anders in that race, weren't they? And it, it looked a bit plain, but different pace set up yesterday. It seems to be the trend in straight races now, David. They don't go hard. They, they, they jog up and then they sprint from the 600. And um, that certainly suited this horse yesterday. And that's more in line with the horse we saw at Randwick in the autumn, who was just so dynamic at his second start in a race. I want to go to another replay. Uh, this is a horse that has somewhat got under the radar in post-race discussions, but... I was quite taken with Pretty Brazen's win in the Let's Elope. Let's listen to the uh, the final stages of it. Coming up towards the turn, 600 to go, Savitiano just has a margin, followed by the outside Lady Loft, and then came three wide Southbank. She shall fly behind those. My gold bracelet with the pink jacket, then street icon shrouded in mist. Bonvicini runs up behind them, pretty brazen down the outer, and then Arcadia Queen at Savitiano went for home at the 250, but she's got plenty of company. She shall fly, Lady Loft, Southbank, pretty brazen, and then street icon. It's she shall fly and pretty brazen and Arcadia Queen runs on at the 100. Pretty Brazen takes the lead, though. Darts clear. Arcadia Queen charging at her, but Pretty Brazen beat Arcadia Queen. Photo third, Bonvicini. She shall fly, then Southbank Lady Loft Street icon, Savitiano. Behind those horses out wide, a Spanish Reef pulls up quickly. A fair to remember, my gold bracelet. Well back, shrouded in mist, and Fidelia was at the back. In the colours we know well of Graham and Linda Huddy, trained by T McAvoy. Luke Curry, not long back, had the ride, and... Uh... I think she's a quality mare, this one. She is. She had a couple of good mares in her wake. And, um, yeah, they can get a good horse, can't they? The, the honeys and, and good luck to them. So, Arcadia Queen, David, interested in your thoughts there. She's had those setbacks. So it was pretty much sort of thought, you know, that the big races for the spring are off the table. But she's there in Cox Plate betting. I think she's sort of $15 chance. What do you make of her at the moment? Well, I thought the run was outstanding yesterday. Uh, she gave them a long start. And again, you know, tempo is so significant when when dissecting races. And, and let's look at this. 122.84 is a good gallop. But the last 633 and 69, and she was at the back of the bus. So she's delivered a great sectional. So I wouldn't discount her in anything. And mm. I thought the run was very good yesterday. I, I think if she's back on track, she's a, a serious player because we know her best is is easily good enough for, for those races, particularly in a year where there's no standouts. Yeah, exactly right. Just having a look at, uh, you mentioned the Cox played Russian Camelot after that uh, good run, $7 into $6. Not, not a good run, it was an outstanding run. And Fierce Impact, which we discussed, 26 to 13, halving its price. Zutori was good in the Bobby Lewis. He loves the straight. He won the race last year. He was successful again. I thought the chosen one rates are mentioned to be able to win first up. A good performance. Yeah, and I'll throw in another one. Cherry Tortoni in the tie the knot colours heading towards the Victoria Derby. He was terrific first up there at uh, 1,400 metres. Well, I was racing at Flemington yesterday. Let's turn our attention to Doombin. We had a nine-event car. We're going to talk about Alligator Blood soon, but the feature race was the listed Brisbane Handicap. And putters really narrowed it down to two runners here, Super Giant and Tory Joy. And Super Giant went off favourite. Heading down the side, short of 600 left to Rana. 62.51, the first 1,000 metres. Tory Joy in front, but Super Giant. Super Giant is closing, coming to the turn. Junction third off the mid, so is Sabcut. Big rust up, free fly two. And Skate to Paris, pulls to the outside and starts to run on. Super Giant's in a war with Tory Joy. Below the 300 metres, and Skate to Paris keeps making ground. She is coming with a full head of steam, and she's going like a winner. Skate to Paris, burned away, and the Brisbane 
with a handicap is hers. Interest in the Miners, but skate to Paris. She's in a rich vein of form. Bolted in, beat Free Fly 2. Third over the line was Tory Joy. Super Giant fourth every chance. Then one for Betty, Junction, Articus, Wellbank, Barefoot, Morendi, Chaotic. And last over the line, Sabcart in 136.98. She's never raced better skate to Paris. I think that's a, a fact that is indisputable. And the man who puts the polish on her, Chris Munts, is uh, joining us on Past the Post this morning. Good morning, Chris. Congratulations. Yeah, hi, David. Yeah, thanks, mate. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was good to see her win the way she did yesterday. It was good. They, they talk about mares. Uh, mares in form uh, are worth following, and often mares can be out of form and stay out of form. But as uh, I said on the broadcast there yesterday... Uh, she's never raced better this mare. She is low-flying at the moment. Yeah, I mean, all, all prep, she's been in probably the best best form she's ever been in her life, David. I mean, her, her um, condition and her coat and everything, the way she sort of went about her work and um, mannerism in the stables, probably the best she's ever been. And, and she's basically been racing to that. So she sort of, I suppose, realistically, she started this prep as a Class 4 horse with a rating of 83, 85, and... She's won what three out of three out of five or something or four out of six or whatever it is, and she's now probably got a rating close to 100, and she's a stakes winner. So um, she's had a pretty good prep, really. Chris, fair to say she's got one of the most uh, enthusiastic groups of owners we've seen in Brisbane racing. They they certainly make themselves heard, and uh, it, this is what racing's about in so many ways. Chris, finding a cheap horse like this and then going on the ride that these these owners have had particularly when you point out yesterday, she ran in the first two-year-old race of the season. She paid her dues three times stakes placed at two, three, and four, and, and now still going better than ever as a six-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Like, she was, um, you're right, Nathan. I mean, she was probably one of the first um, lot of young yearlings I bought when I started training and uh, didn't pay a lot for her, 10000 and, and the owners sort of all, um, were, most of them were all first-time owners, and they sort of just were on on for a ride and a bit of a good time and and um as you said she's paid him she's paid him over you know plenty and um you know she's just been a really nice honest mare that everybody'd like to be a part of chris two points to make out of yesterday firstly about her the win was not only good because it was a win but the fact that they didn't go that hard those leaders and it was a sprint home and she gave them a start so that really adds merit to the performance. But I also want to make mention of Larry Cassidy's ride. It was an absolute pearler from the outside gate to get where he did, the patience he showed, and then he launched her at the right time. And, and uh, look, he doesn't get a, a lot of opportunities for one reason or another, but he's been very good with this mare, and every ride has been a, a, a perfect one, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt. There's no doubt about that, David. You know, he's ridden her well every time. And in, in my opinion, I think he's riding as, as good now as he ever has. I... I uh... He's been riding a lot of winners for me in, in our stable, and um, you know he's just—he gives you good feedback when he rides. He can, he can sort of put you on the on the right path because he's experienced. And um, when it comes to riding a horse in a race, he can basically sum it up very well. And you don't have to, as I said, to Nathan, don't have to give him instructions. He, he pretty much—he um, pretty much knows what, how he's going to ride the horse and, and what he wants to do on it. But it seems to always unfold that way. Well, certainly the barrier was a turn-off for me yesterday, uh, Chris. Not my learned colleague, though, who, who managed to find her on top. But the way Cassidy rode her, she he took the barrier out of play in that first couple of hundred metres uh, from a really tricky start. It, it's a funny thing you would know through your own career with, with jockeys. Is, is, there a, is there a stigma, for want of a better word, Chris, in terms of when you get older, the, the, the connections automatically look for, for younger riders? Or, or 
I'm interested in your thoughts on this topic. It's quite interesting, Nathan. I mean, um, I think if you look back and you look at Toby, Toby Edmonds and his stable and that, I think while Jeff was riding and, and um, he had an older, experienced rider there, his stable probably raced, uh, trained more winners than it ever had. And I think, uh, you know, particularly a stable like mine where, um, you know, I've got young Justin there who rides very, very well and he, he's going to make his name as a jockey, there's no doubt in the world, but he's still young and he's still learning, whereas Larry... Um, he's very experienced. He's been riding a long time, and it's just um, you, you, they can give you different sorts of feedback. And and um, I suppose one example was Tuesday morning. Larry galloped her, and I I actually said to um, my my son and Al Russell, I didn't think that she'd done enough because he, he didn't seem to run much time on her. But um, Larry was adamant that she was right. He said no. He said she's right. She's done enough work, and she's fit enough. So you sort of it's good to be able to put your alliance and your faith in a, in a jockey that they can come back and tell you if the horse is. Uh, in good in in the right order in the right frame of mind. Just two things before you go, mate. Uh, skate to Paris. What's the plan now? I heard. I think I heard you say yesterday that uh, uh, pull up stumps. Now is that right? Well, I, I think we will, David. You know, because um, there was a bit of um, um, after her last start, there was a thought, the chain of thought that we might do a break then to concentrate on January. But when this race was on the calendar, it was so close, and it was a stakes race, and she hadn't won a stakes race. I I sort of, um, I suppose, got my way and said, no, well, I want to give her one more run over a mile and, and um, you know, hopefully she can win. Then we'll give her a let up. But as soon as Larry got off yesterday, he sort of mentioned the Toowoomba Cup. But, um, you know, we, we couldn't do both. If we were to run her in the Toowoomba Cup, we wouldn't have a horse for January. So uh, my first thought would be to probably give her a two or three week freshener. And then after that, um, we've got to decide what race we want to run her in. Mm. The other point I wanted to make and. You just touched on this with Nathan. Uh, you were a winner yesterday with, with Skate to Paris. I'd describe you as a winner as well with what you've done with Justin Huxtable. This was a young lad who had issues in South Australia. He needed a fresh start. He needed a, a new page. He came to your stable, and I'm sure that uh, you've worked well with him, and the results are showing now. He's uh, he's developed well. He could always ride, and he, can, and he still rides now, but I think he's matured as a young man too. Uh, he's a very he's a very good rider, um, David, this fellow. He's... Um... And it was funny you say that because he sort of come to me and, and um, um, we didn't know what to expect. But he, since he's been with me, he's just had a, a great work ethic. Um, he turns up, he works every afternoon, whereas a lot of apprentices these days don't work in the afternoons. But um, Justin turns up, um, he, he has to waste very hard. So, um, you know, he's got to keep his, his weight at that 55 mark. So he's, he's certainly... Um, it's and it's not through lack of trying and work ethic. He's a, he's a good boy, and I'm be, always been happy to support him from when he first started, purely for that reason. And um, but not only that, he's he's a very talented rider. I mean, BJ Smith, I think he's a good enough judge of a horseman, and, and he loves putting him on. And now I've got a lot of time for him. I think he'll make the grade for sure. Yeah, and he's also had good success with with Team Edmonds. Thanks for your time this morning, Chris. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll we'll, we'll chat soon. Good on you, David. Thanks. Thanks, mate. There he is, Chris Munz, joining us. And, uh, yeah, she's she's racing terrifically, skate to Paris. And hard to offer an excuse for any other horse no. in the race. Free fly, too, will get uh, fitter and, and well, get Desley better. Well, Desley was very bullish post-race. She said um, once this horse gets to 2,000 metres, they, they won't know which way he's going up here. So she's she threw him in the deep end yesterday. There was an easier race that Free Fly 2 could have run in, but she was proven right. $71 runs second in that stakes race. Tory Joy seems to have lost the habit of winning and Super Giant disappointed again. Yeah, and he's possibly at a crossroads. Um, he had a tough run there first up. Um, 
He was very heavily back, David, wasn't he? Started short in the market. Um, possibly he's going to be better over 2,000 metres, but um, he's yet to show that spark that we saw through the through the carnival. Producer Dale is trying to tell me something. I've got no idea what he's talking about. So what we'll do is we'll listen to the replay of Alligator Blood, who was the favourite of 225, and I'll get to the bottom of this dilemma. 700 left to run. The Odyssey sets up shop in front. Fiery Heights proves nuisance value on the outside. They stride clear by three. Cattersby third. First 600 metres in 30 and 39. The first 500. Fourth Mr. Marbaloos. Then Tycoon Ace. Just Orm lying six near the rail. Alligator Blood gets away from the fence. He'll pull to the outside on straightening. He's got seven lengths to make up though. Then in his stride, Invincible Allen Bandapur. The Odyssey's in full flight. He is going great guns. He shook off Fiery Heights. Then Just Orm. Followed by Cattersby, Mr. Marmaloos, Alligator Blood, four off them. Coming down the outside, but the Odyssey is still the leader. Just Orm coming home fast. The Odyssey in front, he'll win. The Odyssey first, second either Just Orm or Alligator Blood. Best work late, but fair to say, never likely. Then Cattersby, followed by Mr. Marmaloos, Bandapur. Well back was Fiery Heights in his stride. Invincible Al and Tycoon Ace last in 13.64. Nothing to worry about, listeners. Uh, Producer Dale was gossiping to someone, so we can put that aside and concentrate on that race. You'd, you'd, you'd quite well with that, wouldn't you? What, gossiping? Yes. I don't like gossipers. <laughs> now, now, Alligator Blood. Uh, look, yes. Bookies, Bookies changed their arm. Red figures to Blake. Went off at 2.25. I think two things about this race worth pointing out. They jumped out of the barriers. They all found their position straight away. There was no mm. contest to the Odyssey. He was just He just pinged the lids, as I said. He was in front. They even said in the call of that first two or three hundred metres how what a controlled speed it was, yep. and the sprint home was was thirty three twenty two thirty three twenty two twenty Alligator Blood's last six hundred metres was in thirty two point eight under sixty one kilos at eleven ten metres. I think as we said at the, the top of the show, it bears repeating, he lost no admirers. No, and I think. If you were on him, you probably knew you were done and dusted after a couple of hundred metres. It was going to take an extraordinary performance from where he landed in the run. Now, David Van Dyke has reported this morning, David, the horse has pulled up well, but the Everest is no longer an option for Alligator Blood. He'll go straight to the Silver Eagle and then on to the Golden Eagle after that. OK. Silver Eagle's a fair way away, is it not? I mean, we're only in the middle yeah, of September. that's right. Silver Eagle is possibly, is it a week middle. before the Everest? Uh, might be. Yeah, so that's what four weeks or something. That'd be, that's right. Yeah, but that was always the the plan that not to not to overtax him this time, and we've seen him effective at fourteen hundred metres, nice and fresh in the past. So I think he probably just showed he's probably he's not an eleven hundred metre horse. Ryan Maloney said twelve hundred metres yesterday, possibly different story. So I read into that uh, from what you've just said from David Van Dyke that if uh, someone rings Alan Andreas today and says we want Alligator Blood of the Everest, the the answer will be no, and they'll hang the phone up. Well, that's. Um I'm not sure if anyone could speak for Alan Andreas, but um, David Van Dyke has reported that to me this morning that it's it's not an option, and um, I think he, you know, this way can concentrate fully on that 7.5 million dollar race for which I'm not sure if he's still favourite. We'll look that up, but he's got to be in it up to his ears because um, that's right in his wheelhouse. That was Alligator Blood, and of course he was the centre of attention yesterday. But let's concentrate on the Odyssey. Uh, that typical good performance, quick out of the barriers, makes his own luck and another win on the board. What a great money spinner he's been for connections. Yeah, he is $6 favourite for the Golden Eagle Alligator Blood, but absolutely. Um, Kelly Schweder, this time last year was talking about how the horse was fat and taking forever to, to get fit. Well, 
they've obviously cleared that problem up and whether there's some instructions to where he, where he spells there at, at Darren's place and keep him up to the mark while he's um, having that little break. But he was uh, on song there yesterday and um, he's just a ripper horse, isn't he? Exactly right. I, I was saying before Wayne Hawkes is fickle, you fall into that category a little bit as well because yes, yes. you've been on safe work all the time. Oh. You dropped off yesterday. I jumped on and safe work won by nose. It was a tight finish. Well, I've got to say, I was thinking I was quite clever halfway up the running because good chat looked to, looked to be going like a winner, but he just uh, the early work told on him. Uh, no horse more deserving of a Saturday yeah. win than safe work. He's taken on really good horses right throughout his career and... Um, Interesting, Scott Morris would say he's the best I've got, so and he's been winning plenty of races lately. He certainly has. Uh, often horses will have ordinary preparations or campaigns. You're a tough, Mark. You call me fickle. You have a go at me every other week for for sticking with the same horses. Yeah, but I know the time to get off. <laughs> Sometimes Humboldt you do. Current, Stop you dropped that. off it as well. Yes, that's true. Yes. Now some horses have ordinary campaigns and preparations, and there's a reason for it. A, a great case in point is Zayemba. Uh, didn't mm. fire last time in. I think Rob Heathcote said there were physical issues, but he's a bounce back better than ever. A good win first up. He went up to a harder assignment yesterday and drove through late to get the money. He'll keep going through the grades, won't he, Zoyemba, sort of to win at 1,200, now 1,350, a horse that we've seen effective to the mile previously. Conversely, the stablemate, uh, Guntontes, is, is just leaving Rob Heathcote scratching his head. He said he's he worked absolutely brilliantly, and I suspect he had an almost favoured Guntontes in that race yesterday, but he, he didn't fire a shot, and so there's obviously some issues at play with him. Two other mentions before we wind things up. Uh, uh, sweet and sour with Chico Malegro. Yeah, that's right. He's two, A couple of weeks ago, Tony Gollan had in gear bled uh, when she looked to have the race won. Fortunately, Chico Malegro won yesterday, but um, no, he bled during the running of that race, and uh, he's out for three months. And here's another one I jumped on, Fisticuffs. And one. Didn't you have a proviso with your selection? It wasn't bullish, I didn't think. But it had to be black figures, which it did oh, render black. That, okay. But the, the highlight of Fisticuffs win was, was uh, how things changed so dramatically, Ooh. but also that Tommy Ratonicus yeah. was at the track yesterday. That was great to see. It was terrific, and he looked in all sorts of trouble, didn't he? But Ryan Maloney found a way to get out, and um, fortunately for him. And uh, he, he might go on with it now. He's put that win on the board, David. I think I've mentioned every winner I tipped yesterday. So that's about five or six races we've discussed, which is good to end on. Even did you back? No, I didn't have a bet yesterday. I didn't. Feeling I didn't have a bet. Anything else you want to say before we go or talk about? No, I just last week was the South Aussies with um, Behemoth and um, Gitra, and um, this week Queensland has uh, put their name forward for the Spring Carnival. So it's good with those other states sort of uh, making an impression on the, the big races down south. I've enjoyed sharing the hour with you. I'm, I going, have. I'm going to think about it. Give yeah. me a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll make those. my mind up. And if I if I come back, I will. If not, well... I'll need that fortnight. <laughs> but I'll talk to you tomorrow morning on Press Room. Cheers, David. Good on you, mate. Nathan Exelby. And, folks, thanks for your company this morning on Past the Post. Hope you've enjoyed the last hour. Plenty to talk about. And, of course, the highlight being Rothfire. And I will join you tomorrow morning on Press Room. I look forward to your company then.